Hello everybody and welcome back to Double Play. In this video, Jack and I are going to be starting the NL Central with our season previews. It's kicking off with the Cubs. We're going to first recap their 2022 offseason and then move forward to talk about their 2023 season. Jack, this team was very busy this offseason and there's a lot of names involved here. Coming and going. Let's go ahead and talk about it. Let's see how it went. Yeah, Cubs were busy. Cubs fans were busy at our DMs all offseason. They, they don't like our takes. Wow. They don't like any takes that we have about the Cubs, but uh, we'll see. I'm sure we'll have some comments underneath this video and any TikToks we make this week, but let's go to the notable additions or keeps. It starts with kind of the big fish that stands B. Swanson. He comes over from the Braves. Cody Bellinger, former MVP, former Dodger. He's now in the Windy City. Jamison Tyone, Trey Mancini, Eric Hosmer, some other bigger name pieces, and then some of the smaller guys that maybe you're going to fly under the radar, like a Drew Smiley who's going back into the starting rotation. Edwin Rios, another former Dodger. Tucker Barnhart, he slotted in to be the opening day catcher, first opening day catcher since Wilson Contreras. And then Michael Fulmer and Brad Boxberger. We mentioned Wilson Contreras. He's on the outs. He's going to a different NL Central team, the Cardinals, who we're going to talk about later this week. They also lose Jason Hayward, Clint Frazier, and Wade Miley. Overall, Ryan, biggest addition or subtraction in your mind, who is it? I'm going to go with the subtraction side of this and go Wilson Contreras. And, you know, I, I hate to highlight a loss here in the offseason that they had because once we get into our grade, I... I, I like the, the Cubs offseason as well. I like what they were doing. But I just have to highlight this a, a little bit because Tug of Arnhardt, I just really I really don't like him. He, he is a former Gold Glove winner, but when you dive down into it, I mean, he hasn't won since 2020. He played 38 games that, that season. Before that, I think it was 2017. He was 28th on my catcher rankings. He's a bad framer, and he's bad in defensive runs saved. And, and he's not definitely not an offensive catcher. His that value is on the defensive end. He's actually solid in blocking. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you saw uh, Baseball Savant added to do blocking runs saved, so I'm able to cross-reference that a little bit. So he's actually a solid blocker, but in, in the other stats that are also important for catchers, he's not great. So I think the loss of Wilson Contreras, you're obviously going to lose that bat. That You might make up in other positions for the Cubs going forward, but it, it, it hurts when you replace him with Tucker Barnhart, Wilson Contreras being one of the best best catchers in baseball. Yeah, they're, they're like two sides of me. It's kind of like the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other. The devil saying, you know, the catcher position isn't the most important. You know, no catcher really hits. So is it really worth, you know, investing your money into one of those catchers that does hit? But then the angel is saying, you look what happened to the Giants when they lost Buster Posey. Look what happens to these teams that lose leaders at the catcher position. And Wilson Contreras, after the mass exodus of talent a couple years ago at the trade deadline, he was that like last lone Cub from the World Series team, from all from all the Cub teams that had previously been in the playoffs. And we're going to talk about it later this week where the Cardinals lost Yadier Molina, and maybe they're going to replace that with some of the veteran leadership and, and the experience of Wilson Contreras, the Cubs, I know Tucker Barnhart has been around, but he hasn't seen the same things that Wilson Contreras has. He hasn't led a team like Wilson Contreras had to do last year in Chicago. So I, I think I could make the argument that having a drop off at the catcher position at the, ta uh, you know, with a talent level isn't the most important thing. Like, I don't think it's going to hugely impact the Cubs on offense. At the same time, though, you're losing a lot of experience and a lot of veteran leadership and a lot of, you know, Wilson Contreras manning that pitching staff that hasn't been great in a couple of years. So there's two sides of it, but I, I agree. I think the loss of Wilson Contreras is big. You might not see it in the, the run output this season, but I think you're going to see it in the makeup of this team because catchers are leaders. That's why they're still uh, an important position. And so I think that's why losing Wilson Contreras will hurt. 
I think most people would expect us to say Dansby Swanson's the big addition because he was touted as one of those big shortstop prospects or the shortstop free agents. I, people know I, I haven't been the biggest fan of Dansby Swanson as a free agent. I think that his his one season, if you really dig into it, wasn't as great as we were all thinking it was last year. It was mostly just how big of a jump he took. And again, there's no saying that he can't take an even bigger jump next year. But I don't think there's a single one of these signings that I, I say is the biggest addition. So for me, I think the biggest addition is just adding bulk. You're adding four to five to maybe even six guys into the starting lineup. You're bringing back Drew Smiley in the rotation. So it's just a lot of bulk that will change this Cubs roster. We're going we're gonna to say you know how much we think it's going to change. But overall, I think it's just the names and the numbers and just how many people they added is, is really where you're going to see the biggest change. I, I do really like the Dancy Swan side. I'll dive into that a little bit specifically. I, I, I know you're, like you said, the the one season you're not as high as him, but but I do like him, and I, I think it was a good signing for the Cubs team. In terms of value, if you're looking at the contract itself, maybe it's a little bit high, twenty five million dollars a year uh, for seven years. So it's a it's a it's a might be a little bit of a high price, is what I'm trying to say. But for a guy that maybe takes over that leadership role, a guy. You lose Wilson Contreras, the guy who won a World Series, uh, and now you add Dansby Swanson, who's won a World Series, and was uh, so I could yeah you could all right make an argument he was sort of the face of the Braves a little bit at least for the fan base he wasn't necessarily their best player but a guy who has that leadership experience uh, and he and he's got the potential like you said but like you said for the off season as a whole I like it and I I like the pieces they brought in kind of a. There's some like low risk high rewards in there. Uh, I went with a B for them. I, I I like how they 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 got better in my opinion. And adding Dansby Swanson, it, it showed Cody Bellinger, Tyone to the rotation, Mancini and Hosmer. They're at least showing uh, an effort to get better, and they they obviously do with those names. So I, I like it for a B here. Yeah, I went with a B as well. The way I I wrote it down is they went qu- quantity over quality. Like I I'm not in love with the Dansby Swanson signing. Like I think. You know, maybe I might have been if it was one of those different shortstops like Xander Bogarts. I would have, I would have loved this offseason maybe a little bit more. Maybe that bumps it to a B plus. But I think the quantity will definitely help the Cubs. Is it exactly who I would have picked? I'm not quite sure. Do I think Cody Bellinger is going to return back to MVP form? Maybe even All Star form? I, I'm not really sure. I'm buying that right now. Eric Hosmer on the downswing of his career. Some of these guys, like maybe they wouldn't be my first choices, but we've seen a lot of teams, Ryan, that haven't added anyone. So I'm going to reward the Cubs for going out and at least trying to make moves. I think a B is 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 very, I think it's a very respectful grade, even though I'm not the biggest fan of some of these specific names that they went up to target. I can still respect the fact that they're going out there and trying to get better. Yeah, I mean, I like it for them. Like you said, they're trying to get better and I think they do get better. And there may be, it's definitely a step in the right direction for me and kind of expecting what to expect for them this season. I'm expecting a battle for second place in the division. Uh, I, th- I think we've seen, like you mentioned at the top, uh, there's some Cubs fans who think they're a lot, they're better than that and maybe a division winner in that division. Not expecting that, but I think for a battle for second division is good for the Cubs and a step in the right direction, like I said. And you're moving towards competing and uh, even though it is a weak division, so... Record-wise, they might not be uh, in the second-place division for other some other divisions, but for the NL, NL Central, that's all that matters to them. That's all they have to be uh, going forward. If they can add a few more pieces and kind of develop some of their y- younger prospects and maybe extend to some guys, maybe you trade Ian Happ. I don't know what they're going to do there, but I- I'm expecting a battle for second place in the division, and 
not playoffs for me. I, I think we're on the same page there, but I'll say I uh, I see a world where it's a potential for them is what I'll say. I think it's harder in the National League than the American League to be that third wildcard team with the with how stacked it is, but there is a scenario in my mind that they're in the picture is what I'll say. Uh, I mean, I, I can see them battling for second in the division, but I'll come out right out and say it. The second place in the NL Central is not going to the playoffs. Like, I'm fairly confident in that, considering the talent that we have seen in the NL West, because one of the Dodgers and the Padres can't win, and one of the Mets and the Braves or the Phillies, two of those teams can't win the division. So, I mean, right now, that's that's the bulk of everyone's playoff predictions. You add in teams um, that we've talked about, like the Giants, maybe the Diamondbacks take a step up. You still have the Brewers, who I think are... I think are still a step ahead of the Cubs, and we're going to talk about the Brewers later this week. I'm not the biggest fan, but I, I do still think you know they're starting pitching, and some of the names that people might be underrating in their lineup still put them a tier ahead of the Cubs, but I like what the Cubs are building. I think it's going to be another season that we see from a guy like Seiya Suzuki, who unfortunately is down with injury. He's growing into another year in the MLB. Nico Horner, who I'm going to talk about in a little bit, he's coming into another season in, in the majors, and you've got some of these other names that if one of them pops, then next season, maybe you talk about the playoffs. Not sure I see it this season. Sorry, Cubs fans, but I still think it's definitely going to be an improved team. How much of an improvement we're going to see, I think that depends on you know how well these other teams play in the division. If the Cardinals take a step back or the Brewers take a step back, like I think we're both assuming they're going to, then I think the Cubs can jump up a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you get some of those prospects as well. I mean, Pete Crow Armstrong, he's not going to come up yet, but like you said, if you can take a step in the right direction. He's looking to be one of the better prospects in baseball right now, or at least has a chance to be up there. And so right now the Cubs focus should be on preparing for the future. And like I said, I'm expecting a step in the right direction, but not too big of a step like the Orioles where they're almost in the playoffs. But that's not what every team can do. That's not what every team is expecting to do. And so I think a battle for second place. I, I mean, you can tune into record predictions that we have coming next week, but I think they lose that battle. It is it's going to be close in my mind uh, down the stretch, but I think that's it's going to be a step in the right direction. Like I keep reiterating for the Cubs and for my prediction, I think one piece that might help them take a step in the right direction, at least this year. Uh, I think Cody Bellinger bounces back. Uh, I've heard a lot of. Cubs fans say, oh my God, he hits a home run in, against Team USA. Uh, he's going to win. MVP Bell, he's back. So I'm not going that far, but I think he goes above a 100 WRC plus, which is league average. I think he's an above league average hitter. That would be a guess done but after the last couple seasons. Last season, it was in like an low 80s, and the season before that was like 40 something. I don't remember what 2020 was, but obviously 2019 was the MVP year. So I think that's a step in the right direction for him, and it'll be good for the Cubs. And maybe I, I would probably say if that happens, they're going to be trading him at the deadline because they won't be in in a picture. They probably won't be in, in the market to pay him the big bucks that him and Scott Boris are going to command uh, if he has flashes of an MVP season. So uh, I think it'll be good for the Cubs to maybe get a piece or two from him, send him to a contender. So that'll help both sides getting their step in the right direction. 
Yeah, because I think we can both agree, and, and I think the Cubs fans, if they sat down and thought about it, could agree. The Cubs window is not right now. It's not when the Cardinals have Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado operating at MVP levels. It's not when some of these other teams in the National League, like the Braves and the Mets and the Dodgers, are pretty much all in. The Braves windows in the next couple of years, maybe one or two years down the line. And Cody Bellinger, you know, if, if you can get a piece back for him at the deadline, signing him to a huge mega extension after this season, if he plays like you expect him to, it's not in the cards. Like, that's not what's going to help the Cubs. I think getting some pieces back for him to prepare for that window to open up is is the better move. I'm going to, I think, try and appease some of those Cub fans with my bold prediction. And I'm going to say Nico Horner wins the National League batting title. And now, Horner was a player that, a lot, you know, a lot of Cubs fans came to the defense of when we were doing our uh, rankings for each position. And maybe we weren't respecting him quite as much, but he had 281 last year and 302 in 44 games in 2021. Now, I mean, 281 is not going to win the batting title, but he's making the switch from shortstop to second base, which will limit the defensive stress that's going to be on him. I think, you know, that we have seen second basemen have a very uh, an easier chance to win the batting title. You saw it just last year with Jeff McNeil, who did split time with second base in the outfield. But I think that Nico Horner has the ability. He's got one of the best contact swings in the game, doesn't strike out. And I think that with a better lineup, he will be able to walk more. And I know that you know sounds like I'm talking about on-base percentage, but if, if he walks more, that means he's swinging and getting out less, which I think will raise his batting average in the process. He walked at a 10% clip in 2021, but only 5% last year, which I think was due to their lineup wasn't great. Some players were down with injury. He felt like he needed to take things into his own hands to get on base. So he wasn't looking to walk to get on base. He was swinging a lot more than normal. And I think that led to some more outs and I think dropped his average because he felt like he was the one that needed to get it done. But now he's got more protection. He's got guys behind him. He can afford to take a walk because coming up right behind him is a Danji Swanson or a Cody Bellinger or maybe even an Eric Cosmer or a Trey Mancini. So I think that it, it's definitely possible. You could see him hitting above 300. Definitely. I think you got to go maybe to the 310, 320 mark. But I think Horner has the tools to do it. And I think he's in the right situation for the first time in his career. Hey, you mentioned Cubs fans got mad at me. I think I had a top 10. He was like eight in second baseman and everyone got really mad. So uh, you're right. He's a great player. He's a player that I like. And I, I think I think that's a possibility. I, I, I don't know if I'm in agreement with you. I think it is a little bit bold, but I mean, that's I what we're going fans for. Let us know. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what we're going for. Right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Double Play Baseball. In this video, Ryan and I are going to be going over the Reds 2022 offseason as well as previewing their 2023 campaign. It's the Reds. I mean, I don't know what you're expecting. This might not be the happiest of videos. So if you're if you don't want to hear a little bit of slander uh, on your Tuesday, you can click off this video right now. But if you're a Reds fan, stick around. We'll try and say some nice things. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put that burden onto Ryan. Ryan, Ryan, why don't you talk about their offseason? So let's just list off the names that they added and lost. Will Myers, great job. Uh, I mean, add Will Myers. Maybe there's some some flash in the pan in there. He's had some good. Good seasons before. Kevin Newman, not so much. Uh, Will Benson, looks like he's going to be their starting center fielder. I will admit, I've never heard that name before. Neither have I. Casale, <laughs> uh, Luke Miley, uh, Chad Pender, they lose Donovan Solano, Kyle Farmer, Colin Moran, Mike Miner, and Mike Moustakas as well. So there's really just no names on either side of this left, which, which I guess for a rebuilding team, that's I, I guess that's kind of good. You don't want to lose any good players that you can maybe at least trade value, and you're not really looking to add anyone. So with that being said, Jack, is there anyone that stands out as being a big addition or subtraction? 
I mean, you kind of said it, not particularly. Like, I understand that maybe it's a win that they don't have. I mean, in past couple of years, you've seen guys like Jesse Winker departing uh, from Cincinnati. You've seen Castellanos leave. You've seen in the past couple of years some really great starting pitching in Luis Castillo as well as um, Tyler Malley leaving Cincinnati. So, you know, maybe it's a positive that there isn't a big name departing this free agency. You have you have Joey Votto coming back too. So you're not losing as big a names as they have in past years. That's a positive. Um, but even then, there's not even very many negatives because, I, you know, I just feel like it's a wash. But also, they've got talent coming on and it's going to be starting on the major league squad, guys that we have never heard of. And and I'm I'm sure no one in, in in the comment section has heard of Will Benson unless you're a diehard Cubs fan or a diehard Reds fan and you're following along this offseason. Who knows Will Benson? Like it's it's unfortunate. And I know he's he's catching strays out here, and I apologize. But I just think it's it's hard to say anything is is very big either way when it's just it's it's a team that is filled with a lot of guys that could either be in the minor leagues or could be retired. Yeah, I mean I'll give a. Uh... I'll give a positive here, and it's going to be one of few, but I'll give it. I'm going to cheat. I, I, we, I've given some teams as a big addition, saying a prospect or uh, someone coming back from injury. So I'm, I'm going to highlight a prospect. And, and I mean, I could even go John Bethanidia, who was hurt for a lot after winning rookie of the year in 2021. So I'm cheating. I'm saying Ellie De La Cruz. And just because I feel like a red season preview is incomplete without talking about him. And I'd. Right now, he's not projected to start the season in the big leagues, but, I mean, his tools just jump off the page. I mean, he, he's a 6'5", switch-hitting shortstop. Is, I mean, that alone jumps off. He's the 10th overall prospect. So if he comes up and provides some life and hopefully some signs of development, it won't have that much an impact on seeding in, in terms of where you're going to finish in the division and kind of put you over any any edge. But uh, maybe the edge of not winning 100 or losing 100 games. But I think he's going to be a big addition. And uh, at least going forward, I mean, when you get a 6'5 switch hitting shortstop, that's going to that, that that's gonna be a positive for what, when he's ready to go. And it's now you've got to focus on having a lot of pieces because you need more than one guy to build a team. Yeah, they don't make him like Ellie De La Cruz very often. He's one of the rarer prospects that you're going to see and one of the best prospects that you look on the pipeline list right now. He's fantastic. You look at what O'Neill Cruz has done, and you could even view Ellie De La Cruz in a very similar way, if not maybe even a little bit safer than O'Neill Cruz is, which is crazy to say because O'Neill Cruz is a guy that we've hyped up a lot on this show. I didn't cheat, and you know I, I, I do feel like you got off easy there by, by cheating and bringing up Ellie De La Cruz, but... It is, you're right, it is hard to do a red season preview without mentioning his name. So I think he's going to be a big piece for the Reds. We'll see whether that is at the start of this year or not. We've seen the Reds be hesitant to call up some of their top prospects with maybe some service time manipulation, but with the new CBA and with the lockout and everything that's gone on, maybe we see a different uh, start to the year. But, you know, last year they didn't bring up Hunter Green to start the year when we all thought they should. And O'Neill Cruz didn't come up for the Pirates when we, you know, we all kind of thought he maybe should start the year. Uh, on the major league roster, and it took them a while to bring him up. So we'll see. But I think when we do see Ellie De La Cruz, he's going to make an impact. And you know, maybe he's not going to have the best numbers by the end of the year. But the highlights you're going to see, some of the counting stats that I think he'll put up, it's going to wow us. I think to maybe the same degree that O'Neill Cruz did. And, and there were a lot of highlights last season. To get into a grade, 
you can hear it in my voice. You can hear what I said. I, I'm I'm tying the Reds with the Rockies, and maybe I think there was one more team with the worst grade in the league. I I went with a D minus. I'm not giving anyone an F because you know at least they signed a player. Or they ended up signing, uh, you know, over one player. They they brought in you know a handful. Don't like many of them, but they're bringing in guys. Uh, so I'm not going all the way to an F, and I I can see by your eyebrows that that you might be leaning that way. No, I'm actually not. I, I was actually going back and forth between a D and a D minus, and you know I probably deleted the minus and then added the minus a couple times in my notes, and, but I ended up going with a D, because like you said, at least they did something, and it's not like some of the other teams that we've seen, you know, where we say at least they did something. I mean, Will Myers is okay. Will Myers hasn't He's been solid. Will Myers hasn't been solid in a very long time. No uh, offense to Will, but I think it's better than some of the other bad teams that we've seen do anything. I mean, I, I just pulled up Will Myers' stats. I mean, outside of 2019, Will Myers hasn't had a below average WRC plus season. And yeah. that wasn't was 97. So at, in 2020, he went off for 155. Obviously, that's a shortened season. But if you can put up a 110, 115 WRC plus, uh, that's a that's a solid that's a solid piece for a for a bad red team. So I ended up going to D. Didn't put them all the way down to a D minus because you know there's some potential there, and uh, and they do have some solid young players in the roster. So uh, I mean that doesn't factor into the grade, but at least for what to expect uh, is basically last in the division. It is what I'm gonna say is what I'm expecting and. There's some other things that I is in my bold prediction, which is kind of what to expect a little bit, or at least at least I'm so my belief is so strong in my bold bold prediction that I'm almost expecting it. But I think it's last in the division, but there's promise on the team at least for a few for a few pieces, uh, like some of their pitchers, uh, Ellie De La Cruz, Jonathan India, if he comes uh, comes back and stays healthy. There's, there's like, I, I guess I'll say hope, a little bit. Uh, but there's more work to be done in in, in this rebuild. You gotta add to more pieces around those guys. Yes, I will bring up two positives. One, I believe that the addition of Will Myers, a because he's hitting in Great American Ballpark, which is I think the you know the best park to hit in in baseball. We've seen it with guys like Brandon Drury in in the past years where he hit so well at home and not very well on the road, and that's why maybe not high on him as an angel this year. But I think you'll see Will Myers put up that above average season that you're mentioning because he's hitting in Cincinnati. I also do think that adding him will allow Joey Votto to play a little bit more DH, which hopefully can keep Joey healthy because, you know, it's, it's so fun to see Joey Votto hit the baseball and he can hit it a couple more times this year. I think that'd be good for the Reds. Also, we do mention it despite every time that we're talking about a rebuilding team. If they were have if they were to have signed a big piece this offseason, I'm not sure I would have liked it much because I think that they would have been trying to jump the shark on their rebuild. So there is a positive that they you know, I think they do see their place in 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 their rebuild, and they're not trying to jump past some of the tougher years. But with the Reds, I don't give them the benefit of the doubt just because of what we've seen in the past and some of the malpractice that has gone on when it comes to running the baseball franchise. But I, I went with this about the similar what to expect, saying another year at the bottom of the Central, but I think it is another year that those prospects will improve. And to get into my bold prediction, two of the biggest prospects they have are on the pitching side, and I think one of the two of them, them being Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green, ends up in the top five on the National League Cy Young voting. 
I don't know which one it. Oh, I kind of stole yours, didn't I? I don't know which one it is, though. I mean, I was very high on Nick Lodolo at the end of last season, and I came into this offseason thinking, you know, he's going to be my big breakout pick as a pitcher. And more recently, I've been leaning towards the Hunter Green side, and I couldn't pick which one I wanted to put there. So I'm just going to say one of the two. And I was pretty successful last year talking about the Cy Young, saying my dark horse for the Cy Young last year was one of the Marlins. I didn't know whether I wanted it to be Sandy Alcantara or Pablo Lopez. Turned out to be Sandy Alcantara. So maybe... uh I'm touching, I'm touching, uh, I'm like Midas, everything I touch turns to gold. And so one of these reds, you know, is going to be happy that I said that because they can, they can put up a great season, but I'm really high on both of these reds pitchers. It was too hard for me to pick. So I'm just going to say one of the two of them ends up in the top five of the Cy Young voting. So before I, I get mine real quick, I, I do want to say, uh, kind of going backtracking a little bit, I forgot to mention Spencer Steer is a solid prospect as well, because I know some Reds fans are going to be mad that I that I left them out of list, lifting off listing off these prospects with with some promise here. So another player for you to build around. But yeah, you you stole mine and you even took it a step further. I I, I said one of them receives a Cy Young vote. And oh, that, not I, I think to both top receive top five. I think they'll both receive Cy Young votes. Look, so I looked up Cy Young vote getters and there was like ten to maybe low teens ish under in between 10 and 15 people who received a vote and i was gonna go both of them receive votes and i was like i don't really know if i if i fully believe that so i was like i'll say one of them gets a vote and i i i believe that's possible so and then you took it a step further taking it to top five so i mean we're both on the same page we like those pitchers at least and i mean i drafted lodolo tcu guy in our fantasy draft or dynasty so Hopefully it's him, and there's some signs that he's going to be one of my aces to come for fantasy because because uh, Jack's been hogging the fantasy baseball wins, so I I, I need one here. Oh, well, I had Nick Lodolo last year, and and you're looking at the proud owner of Hunter Green this year, so I think one of us is going to be. I think both of us will be happy by the end of the year, but one of us, if if my prediction goes to plan, will be be very very happy, and who who knows that could push one of us over the edge to to win our division because I you know I I know that I don't like to little brother you on this show, but. Ryan is 0-6 against me in fantasy baseball in the three years that our league has, has gone on, and I won the championship last year, and just kind of, you know, always coming up short. So, you know, maybe I hope that you, you get one win this year, but I'm still coming after you in the playoffs. Me, me and Hunter Green and all the rest of those pitchers I've hit on, but Reds fans, if, if you take anything away from this show, just know that those two pitchers you were very lucky to have, and both of them ended up having fantastic runs down the stretch of the second half last season, and, and I'm fully expecting both of them to dominate again in 2023. Howdy, everyone, and welcome back to Double Play. In this video, Jack and I are going to preview the Braves' 2023 season. But first, we have to start with recapping their 2022 offseason. It was a little bit busy for that time, but Jack, uh, I don't know how we feel about this one. It's kind of, there's ways to interpret this one. The Brewers were busy. They were involved in probably maybe, you could say, the biggest trade of the offseason, perhaps, so involving Sean Murphy. They didn't get or receive Sean Murphy, but they were involved in it. And so let's just talk about what they added and what they lost. You know, the, the Brewers are one of those teams. They do it their way, and they're unapologetic, and that's just the way that they go about their business. And this was another one of those off-seasons. You mentioned the trade. It was a three-teamer, and we like three-team trades. They end up netting William Contreras in that trade uh, from the Braves, a young guy that we're going to talk about in a bit. 
They only had to give up Esri Ruiz, who was a prospect in their system. But overall, I think that's 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 a W for the Brewers. And they go and they trade for another guy. They're moving Colton Wong, who we'll put on the subtractions list. But they get Jesse Winker back, a guy who, with the Reds in the NL Central, was one of the best hitters in baseball for a couple of years. And a slower year in, my, in a Seattle last year, but now returning to the NL Central, some familiar ballparks. He's going to be hidden for the Brewers. A couple other guys, they bring in Brian Anderson, Abraham Toro, Owen Miller, a couple guys on the infield. Wade Miley, who will be their five starter, and a couple bullpen arms. I already mentioned uh, Estuary Ruiz and Colton Wong. They did have some other subtractions, guys who left in pre-agency, notably Hunter Renfro, who we both really like uh, on the Angels this year, and Taylor Rogers, who came to join my Giants. He was only there for a partial, for a bit of the season last year, so not the biggest subtraction. Then you also talk about Omar Narvaez, who made an all-star game for the Brewers, Brad Boxberger, Andrew McCutcheon, who was one of their bigger uh, signings a couple of years ago, and then Trevor Rosenthal out of the bullpen as well. But another one where the offseason, they had a lot of guys come in, they had a lot of guys leave, and overall, I think the, this is how the Brewers would want it. But overall, what do you think about it, and who do you think is the biggest addition and subtraction? You know, I, I do like the addition of Jesse Winker, and like you said, he's familiar with the ballparks. He was an all-star in 2021 with the Reds. He had a 147 WRC+. Plus. And he was still above average despite a down 2022, but he's projected to bounce back. And I kind of, I'm believing in that hype a little bit for him to bounce back. He wasn't like among the top of players impacted by the shift, but he was pretty impacted. So I think he might see a benefit from getting rid of that. And he, he's a bad defender, but he can DH right now. And Brian Anderson, who I originally thought was going to play third, uh, He's projected to be the opening day right fielder right now, and and uh, Bryce Turing is going to play second, which slides Luis Arias, Luis Arias to third to so second. It's a third to third. Oh my goodness! Uh, so many people moving around. But I originally thought he was going to play third, and kind of Turing was going to be maybe shortstop. Oh no, Adamas is there, kind of be a more utility guy. But he, he's going to go to third. Brian Anderson is going to be in the outfield. So that allows Jesse Winker to DH is kind of the roundabout point that I'm trying to make. So maybe that allows his bat to kind of bounce back. So I think that's an important get and kind of a a, a good bat that you can add to that team that has potential. And I think at, at, at worst case scenario, you're getting an average to above average guy. And that best case scenario, you're getting a guy who can be an all-star for you. Yeah, and I think you got to mention that he has... Being in the NL Central before has a little bit of experience in some of these parks and, you know, moving from the National League where he was with the Reds for so long to the American League in Seattle facing teams he didn't face quite as often. Maybe that threw a wrench in, in his preparation and some of the other stuff, but now returning back to the Central, facing teams and pitchers he's seen for a while, I, I would expect to bounce back as well for Jesse Winker. I'm going to go with William Contreras, who I think is a sneaky good addition, especially for a young player at the catcher position, where it, it's hard to add at catcher. Most of the time you have to home grow those guys, but William Contreras coming over for the Braves, I really like the addition. Now, he's not the best defender. We'll get that out of the right, out of the way first, but he's only 25 years old, and last year in 97 games had a 138 WRC+, plus, clubbed 20 homers, and didn't have to give up too much to get him. And I like William Contreras. I think he fits well in this lineup right now. I think he'll be there for a long time. And as I mentioned, when we were talking about Christian Vasquez to the Twins, it's hard to add a starting catcher in free agency. And the 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 Brewers went out and added one of the better ones that I think they could have gotten at a young age, and that's William Contreras. I really like that move. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, William Contreras is going to be there for a while hopefully and like you said the for, hopefully for, for the Brewers he's a solid player he was an all-star last season as well uh he was actually an all-star at DH but uh 
that's because he was on the Braves, who who had another catcher, Travis Darno, who was also an All Star last year. So he's got at least got the offensive numbers to do it, like you said. And uh, I, I agree, both those pickups were good for them. While losing Hunter Renfro is going to sting a little bit, but I think you add some production that uh, I, I I can s- sort of say you kind of balance that out, I guess you could say. But overall, what would you say for the offseason is great? So I went with a B minus. I think it's a respectable offseason. Um, I, I I was in between a B minus and a C plus, but I figured I'd be a little bit more respectful because they did that in quantity in certain positions. But I, I like the guys they brought in. I think Jesse Winker will be good. I think William Contreras will be good. I think you're going to find one of Brian Anderson and Abraham Toro could be a guy that plays uh, a while for you. Wade Miley's not a bad five starter. The Brewers add bullpen arms that maybe we don't know now, but we're going to know in the future because they have kind of the magic touch when it comes to the relievers. Some of the subtractions, that though, though did hold back the grade for me. I really like Hunter Renfro, and I think they probably shouldn't have let him go. Uh, Colton Wong, Taylor Rogers, Omar Narvaez, guys who who, who could be big pieces uh, for the team down the line that they, they let go to go other places. But this is the way that the Brewers do it. Um, the only part that I another reason I took off a tiny bit is the, uh, the stuff that's going on with Corbin Burns, where I don't know, there seems like a, there's a lot of animosity between him and, and the Brewers front office. And I can't quite blame Corbin, which means some of my blame has to go to the Brewers front, front office. You don't do that to a guy who won a Cy Young for you, and it is the face of your franchise at the moment. So I went with the B-. minus. Maybe I'm being a little bit too nice, considering some of the stuff that has also gone on. But I like some of the moves, and I think that they didn't need to add a whole ton, um, but I like the moves that they did make. If I were them, would I have spent a little bit more money in free agency? Yeah, probably, but with the moves they made, I'm going B-. minus. So the way I've been doing this, Jack, you know, but for our Brewers fans watching... A C is your team has basically stayed the same. A C plus is a little bit better. C minus is a little worse. I'm going with a high end C. I, I don't think it was. I think they got a, a tiny, tiny bit better, but I don't think enough to warrant a C plus. So C or C plus, you can call it either what either one you want. That's what I'm going with. I think that you're right. That could have been more, but I'm going C as my final, my final answer. I mean, I don't blame you for that. Maybe I, I think I would argue they did get better. I think you're, I, I think you're upgrading in the outfield, or at least you're staying the same in the outfield with Renfro and Jesse Winker. I think it was good to move on from McCutcheon. I think William Contreras is is an add in a position that you normally can't find, you know, good young pieces at. So maybe I'd bump mine down to a C plus. But I also think, you know, they had a lot of injury issues in the starting rotation last year with Devin Williams and Brandon Woodruff, but both were good when they pitched, and Brandon Woodruff was really good down the second half, and they had some other injuries. They still are just holding out hope that Christian Yelich can return to, you know, at least three quarters of his MVP form. And they've got some other guys like Rowdy Telez and Willie Adamas, who you're not going to move off hit their spots because they were so good for you last year. So maybe I was a little bit too nice with the B minus. Maybe I'll bump it down to a C plus if if because I agree with your scaling, but I, I still think a C is maybe a little bit too low. I mean, I I guess we can talk about what to expect. Uh, if you're looking at the team wise, you know I think their team did get a little bit better, but I'm expecting record to be around the same, and I'm expecting a a battle for second place in the division with the Cubs. So uh, we talked. I talked about that in the Cubs. I th- kind of the same thing what to expect I think it's going to be a, a, a battle and you're going to see a similar record between them and the Cubs all season long uh, 
based off what my record predictions are, you can you can watch. Uh, and I think it'll be out next Monday or Tuesday uh, of when we're actually going to reveal those. But uh, I do have them w- winning that battle for second place in the division. So I'm expecting them to be second in the division, not in a playoff spot, just because of what's what's there. But like I said, with the Cubs, there's a chance that they do, and I think there's a little bit better of a chance that the Brewers sneak into that third wild card spot for them. But I, I don't know. I, I think I think that's where they're going to be at. And well, also with the Central, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to pick them there at all, but I think there's a possibility that you can win that division as well. If, if the Cardinals underperform, get hit, hit with some injury, which we don't want to see happen, but things can go right to where they can win the division and also make it in that way. So I'm expecting second place in the division, but I see a world where they're better than that. Yeah, I'm expecting contention again from the Brewers. I don't think they're going to completely fall off a cliff, but I've been vocal all offseason. I think this team is going to take a step back, so I don't think that contention, whether it be for the division or a playoff spot, is going to be as strong as it has been in past years. And from what we've seen from the front office, which isn't, it's not hesitancy to add, but they don't like to add in big ways. And a lot of the times, a lot of the moves are are lateral. Like you're trading a Colton Wong, who's a good player, for Jesse Winker, who is a good player. You are letting Hunter Renfro walk to replace him with someone else. It's, it's never going all in. I think that if they're not in full contention like they have been in past years, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of these guys move, especially with some of the animosity that's going on with Corbin Burns, maybe other guys that they can try and capitalize off, including Willie Adamas or Rowdy Telez, or maybe one of the guys in the outfield or one of the other starting pitchers, like someone in the bullpen as well. They traded Josh Hader last season, which they were always saying that they weren't going to do. And eventually with enough teams calling and enough being offered up, it's hard to say no. And I think that you could see a similar thing with teams like the Dodgers or other teams across baseball needing to add because they didn't this offseason. They're going to come calling for Corbin Burns. I mean, teams are going to call about Burns. They're going to call about Otani. If teams are calling the Brewers, they might inquire about Adamas or Telez. And from what we've seen from the Brewers organization so far, they're not the most, I don't know, they're not the most steadfast in their nose. And so I, I think that you could see a guy like Corbin Burns moved at the deadline and you could see the Brewers maybe acknowledging our window has come to a close and we missed it and we don't want to spend the money to reignite it. And so we're going to move off some of these big pieces that we have. I'd love to see Corbin Burns stay a Brewer. If you know, I'd rather really not see him be on the Dodgers, but I think if, if, if we're right and expecting they're going to take a step back, I would not be surprised at all. And I'm not saying it's going to happen. Like I definitely would not be shocked. So you stole my thunder in the Reds videos with with my bold prediction, and you're sort of stealing it here. You're kind of saying you you won't be shocked, and maybe it happens. My bold prediction is that they will be sellers, and I think both Adamas and Corbin Burns donezo by the end of the year. Like you said, I think there's going to be too big of offers for, for them. I think I want I want to say I don't know about Adamas, but uh, Corbin Burns has multiple years of uh, control still, so. I mean, you get that. You can offer for a few few of a system's top prospects. The Brewers might be taking that. So I I, I think I, I I not not even I wouldn't be surprised. My bold prediction, remember that's bold, uh, is that Corbin Burns and Willie Thomas aren't on the team come the end of the year. Yeah, I mean Corbin Burns is one of those guys. We're doing our awards predictions. I had thought about potentially having him be another Cy Young winner, but. We saw a guy like Luis Castillo have a great season last year, but didn't get considered for any of the big awards because he was changing leagues and changing teams. Urban Burns was one of those guys where I didn't want to put myself all the way out there and say he was going to win a big award because 
I am nervous that he's going to be traded and voters aren't going to vote for him. Whether that's, you know, to the Dodgers or to some other team who, who might come calling, I definitely think that that it is a very big possibility. I didn't have the cojones on me to, to fully predict it. But from what we've seen from the Brewers, again, wouldn't be a surprise to me. I have a very, very, very big bold prediction for the Brewers that I'm not going to reveal in this video because I want to save it for our season predictions. I still have another one. I will say, though, if you're a Brewers fan, return to my big prediction, return to my uh, season predictions because I think you're going to like it and I, it's it's bold. But I'm going to say for now, I think that Rowdy Telez crosses an 800 OPS uh, for the first time for the Brewers. He had a 760 OPS last year. And while a lot of other people are getting talked about with the ship restrictions like a Corey Seager or like some of these other people across baseball, Telez is, is one of my picks for one, one of the biggest beneficiaries of the shift restrictions. Uh, hits the ball into the shift a lot. A lot of line drive outs. A lot of balls like we've seen where the second baseman is all the way out in right field. And that happens to Telez all the time. He has shown in past years he can still hit home runs uh, despite, you know, it's probably because he wants to hit it over the shift. But uh, I think that he can bump it up from a 762 and 800. And with some uh, added protection in the lineup with some other lefties like Jesse Winker, you could see Telez get pitched to even more and, and cross that OPS. But he, he's a great hitter. He's very talented. And I think that he'll be one of those big beneficiaries of the shift being limited. Yeah, I like that. He's playing well for Team Mexico. We saw him have a good game. Jack and I went to the USA versus Mexico game last week. So, or I guess that's, yeah, last week. Yep. So, uh, I, I, I like that pick. He's a guy that's fun to watch as well. Or let's get, let's get rowdy. So, I, I like that pick, and I'm I'm just I'm just still trying to wrap my mind around who your big bold prediction or what what your big, big bold prediction is going to be. So, I'm I'm, I'm going to be thinking about that one. So. Yo ho, yo ho, it's a pirate's life for Ryan Donahue and I today, and I hope that was cringeworthy enough that you haven't uh, completely clicked off of this video yet, but Ryan and I today are going to be covering the Pirates 2022 offseason as well as previewing their 2023 season, and Ryan, I'm going to leave that to you as I, uh, you know, cringe here in silence. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I, I was cringing too, so it, don't worry, you're not alone, uh, but they had Andrew McCutcheon was the big one, maybe not like a big name anymore, but it's nice to see him back with the Pirates, kind of where he seems to belong, I guess you can kind of say. Uh, they had Carl Santana, G-Man Choi as well. Austin Hedges, Cotter Joe, the 58-year-old Rich Hill, it seems like. Vince Velasquez, Harleen Garcia, and then they lose Roberto Perez and Yoshi Tsutsugo. So, add in some names there and you don't really lose much. Jack, which one do you like or dislike out of those two names the most i'm gonna go my man g-man Choi, because he was i i think he's really a good addition for this pirate squad he's an upwards of 115 wrc plus player every year he's coming from that Rays organization that is constantly taken from the pirates when you look at guys like tyler glasnow and previously austin meadows and shane boz but this time it's it's the pirates who are taken and they're stealing some of the some of the treasure from from the Rays and they're going with G-Man Choi. I think he slots in perfectly at first base. I'm a big fan of the addition of G-Man Choi and for the Pirates who for the past couple of years they haven't been you know super fun to talk about. I think G-Man Choi is, is one of those players where people like to like G-Man Choi and I think he's a better baseball player on the field than people give him credit for. I think he fits in well with this Pirates team. Yeah I mean I, I agree with you there but I went with Andrew McCutcheon. I, like it's it's the emotional aspect of it, him coming back to Pittsburgh, and he's also a good mentor to to the 
to younger players. I mean, it's a guy who's won an MVP in Pittsburgh, nonetheless. So uh, you're, you're adding that, and he, he's still showing some solid production, even even towards the back half of his career now. So he's a guy that's going to be great for the clubhouse, great for the fans, uh, great for the team in general, their their development. They've got a lot, lot of young, young talent as well. So I think with that, and you add a guy who isn't a slouch still on, on the field, he can st- still perform. I, I think that's going to be big for the Pirates, and it's not going to be like some crazy, he's not going to be an MVP, he's not going to, I don't think he will probably won't be an all-star. Uh, although, yeah, now he's not going to be an all-star. Uh, it, it's it's good for the team. It, it's maybe not as big on the field production as G-Man, but I, I think McCutcheon is going to mean mean a lot to this team in, in multiple aspects. When I was sitting down for my grade, I I, I do compare with other teams, and I gave the Brewers a B-minus to a C-plus range. And I, I think the Pirates are a step back, but I still surprisingly like this offseason. When you compare it to even teams in the division like the Reds, it's much better than that. I went with a C for the Pirates because I do like some of the moves. And for a team that's not in contention, this is what I want the offseason to look like. So I'm going with a C. I actually did a B minus here. And and C plus, B minus, I end up going low B minus. Uh, I, I think it's pretty good. And I, I, Am I crazy to say I kind of I, I kind of like what, what the Pirates look like on paper this season? And uh, 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 Don't take that out of context. Well, I mean, I said the same thing for the Royals. So I, I mean, if if the Pirates are your team this year, I don't, I don't blame you for that. I think they're similarly yeah. built. I think they're going to take a step, a, a, a bigger step forward. Uh, and it's, I'm not saying I like them in terms of being a playoff team. So that's what I mean. Like the don't take that out of context. I, I, I just kind of like their pieces and like where they're headed and kind of they've they've got a good mix of young talent who is kind of maybe a year or two away and. Kind of a star in Brian Reynolds, and then also some veterans like like Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, I guess G Man Choi is like like a veteran now and a, a solid production player as well. So I kind of I kind of like like where they're at, and I think it's a pretty good off season. Uh, low B minus. Yeah, I'm not I'm not as high on the Pirates this year. I think I've you know I've picked some of my more breakout teams. The, the Pirates aren't one of them, but they, I did have them improving, and you'll see that reflected in my record predictions when we do them uh, early next week. But if I were to say what to expect, I definitely see big improvements for some of their young players. Like you have O'Neill Cruz, you have Key Brian Hayes, you have Rowan Z. Contreras, and even Mitch Keller, who just found out he was going to be the opening day starter. And, that, and that's a cool story. I like some of these younger guys for the Pirates. And maybe I don't love the way the rest of the roster is built as much as I do for, say, a team like the Royals, who I'm in on this year, or maybe the Orioles, who broke out last year. I do like the young I guess, core that the Pirates are building, starting with O'Neill Cruz, Key Brian Hayes on the left side of that infield. And they've got other guys. Jack Sawinski was pretty good last year as a rookie. Rodolfo Castro showed some some promise. So I, I like that the way the Pirates are building their roster, and I definitely expect improvement and, and some great play from their young players. I agree. I'm expecting an improvement there uh, in terms of record and in terms of just overall play on the field. And uh, like I said, I kind of like where they're at. I I think they're still a team that's yet to finish fourth in the division, right towards the bottom. But it's going to be a good step forward, and I can I, I like where they're at as a whole. And uh, like you said, O'Neill Cruz, Cabrian Hayes, Cabrian Hayes is a guy who's, who I've been on for a long time now. So uh, hopefully he finally breaks out offensively because he's one of, if not the best defender in all of baseball. Even though he didn't. Didn't win the Gold Glove over Arenado last year. I think. I think he, if you look at the numbers, Brian Hayes might have been like a touch better. 
So uh, maybe the, the little bias with Arenado and Arenado is, I think he's 10 gold gloves to start his career, which is tied for the most ever with Ichiro. He's looking for that 11th to break the record. And I think if it's if someone's going to break this, his record, it's Brian Hayes. So I think I still believe in his offensive upside. And obviously we, we talk about O'Neal Cruz so much of what the tools he has and how he can be, how he can be good. And Brian Reynolds, who's kind of their star, uh, I, I like him as well. And that's kind of, I'm, I'm expecting fourth in division, but a lot of great pieces here. And my bold prediction is that they have three all-stars on this team, the th- three plus even. I think uh, Bednar and Reynolds are probably going to be all-stars and almost no matter what. So maybe it's not even that bold to, to I think one of O'Neill Cruz or Brian Hayes could end up being that third all-star and maybe even fourth, both of them break out. So I think they're going to get three all-star, all-star nominations. Yeah, I think it might end up being hard for Hayes to make the All-Star team, no matter how good he is. You just look at the third baseman in the National League, and you're running up against, you know, some could argue maybe the three best in Manny Machado, Nolan Arenado, and Austin Riley. I think you throw in some AL guys there, like a Rafael Devers, Jose Ramirez, but the National League third baseman are pretty insane. But a guy like O'Neill Cruz, I could see making it. Maybe you've got a guy like Mitch Keller who has a really good first half, and he could make the team. So I don't hate that one at all. I would say I, I would... If, if you were to go over under two and a half and I were to lay some real money on it, I'd probably go the under. I think you could see too, whether that is, you know, one of Bednar and Reynolds and someone else or, you know, both Bednar and Reynolds making the team. I'd, I'd go the under on two and a half, but I do like the, I do like it. And it is bold and that's what we're looking for. I said a lot of positive things about the Pirates and I think I'm going to tone things down a bit for my bold prediction. There have been a lot of rumors over the past couple seasons about Brian Reynolds potentially being a trade piece for Pittsburgh. We mentioned it in the Corbin in the Brewers episode where you think Corbin Burns eventually, you know, teams are going to be calling and it's going to be too hard for the Pirates for the Brewers to say no. I think it's going to be the same for Brian Reynolds and the Pirates this this trade deadline. You're going to have teams that need left fielders or center fielders like the Yankees who we've talked about, maybe you know it's a team like the Mets who didn't end up adding Correa, maybe it's a team like the Dodgers who were looking to add in the outfield after losing Bellinger. I think that it's going to be a little bit too much for the Pirates to continue saying no. And, I, you know, maybe it's the best thing for their rebuild. But I think Brian Reynolds will be traded at the trade deadline. That's at least my bold prediction. It's been rumored for a couple of years now, and I think this is the year that, that they finally succumb to all the calls that I'm sure they're going to be getting all deadline long. I think for him, we're either going to see a big extension or a trade. I, I think if there's not an, not an extension by the trade deadline, I think he... You're you're right there, but uh, I they've shown they've expressed that they want to keep him. Brian Reynolds is, uh, I mean, he's sort of shown that he wants to stay uh, at the right price. Es- essentially, is basically what he's saying that there has there have been negotiations, and I mean they're just far off there. That's why Reynolds requested a trade. So I think we're either going to see them kind of get get on the same page there, sign an extension. Or maybe they just they, they just don't want to keep the guy at, at at too big of a price tag. So maybe they do trade him for some prospects. And but that, that's another guy who who can get a big return. Who who could be one of the bigger bigger trades at this deadline. So uh, I I hope it doesn't happen for the Pirates. If it's to the Dodgers, I hope it does happen. Sorry, Pirates fans. I care about seeing good players in the Dodgers more more. I care about seeing good players in the Pirates. So, uh, <laughs> but I, I think that's something that could happen. But for the Pirates, I hope it doesn't. I think I think the Yankees are going to be the name that's thrown around the most. You'll have the Dodgers because they're in every race. I think the Mets will insert themselves, as I said in our Mets season preview. 
this random thought that I just got, and Pirates fans should close their ears, but I think a team that could be a sneaky, awesome fit for Brian Reynolds is the Houston Astros. And I know that they, you know, they go about their ways and they love having a guy like Chaz McCormick out in center field, but Brian Reynolds and that offense would be pretty, pretty insane. And, and we'll see how much they would en- eventually have to give up, but they're a team that doesn't make a ton of moves, but I could I could see them doing it. And it's just a random fit that popped into my head that I, I think could push them over the top, especially if if they're there to, not to say any bad word or anything, but block the Yankees from getting Brian Reynolds. That could be an interesting move that I that I think would be pretty entertaining to see happen at the deadline. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Double Play. I'm Ryan. That's Jack. And today we are going to be previewing the 2023 season for the reigning NL Central champs. That is the Cardinals continuing a series that we've done, I think, this is our last team check, so we're this is this is number thirty. This is number thirty. So uh, if you want to check out all those, make sure you do that because they're all posted. We we worked a lot of we've worked hard on this, spent a lot of work on it. So, but Jack, let's talk about their off season first before we move on to their twenty twenty three season. They added the big fish. I'll let you go ahead and talk about that, or at least the big fish for them. I'll let you go ahead and talk. Yeah, I mean they they cast a shallow net, and because they wanted that one big fish, and I think they were content with with just adding that one name, and it's it's a big one that we talked about earlier this week, and that's Wilson Contreras comes over from the Cubs to the rival, the St. Louis Cardinals. Talk about you know stabbing the Cubs fans in the back, and of course the words added on top of it that it's the best organization that he's he's saying it's Cubs fans. We're sorry, but Cardinals fans, you got to be pretty happy about this because Wilson Contreras. Uh, being the new backstop for the Cardinals for probably the rest of his career, that's a big deal, especially because to get into some of the subtractions, on that list is a guy like Yadier Molina who opted to retire, as well as Albert Pujols. They also lose Jose Quintana, he goes to the Mets, as well as Alex Reyes, he signed with your Dodgers, Ryan, on a minor league deal. A couple other things I wanted to note because they didn't sign anyone else. They did retain Nolan Arenado, which was up in the air, and he actually stayed on the same contract that he was on, which... For a guy like Nolan, who could have demanded more money from the Cardinals or maybe someone else, that's a big deal. And they also keep Adam Wainwright for another year. So they didn't add a lot on the pitching side, but they do keep Adam Wainwright. I know you want to talk about pitching, Ryan, so I'll let you go there. So I will say I love the addition of Wilson Contreras, and it's a great replacement for Yadier Molina. He's not going to bring kind of the the presence to the pitching staff and kind of the the defense and the second calling that he did although he's no slash there he's going to bring a major impact on the offensive side for at least as far as the catching position goes and I love that addition and I think you're going to talk about that one a little bit more and it's the biggest in my opinion but I think the lack of adding any pitching is is what still stands out to me and they still lack a true ace and I think that's kind of what I wanted to see going into this offseason and the lack of seeing that kind of first side. I know Flaherty can be it. And I, I still kind of believe in him. I, we were doing our fantasy baseball draft. I was texting, or we were on the phone during it. It's like, do I dare draft Flaherty for, I think, a third straight year now? I think of that 2020, 2021, and 2020, or uh, that this would have been the third straight year. But we really haven't seen him be as dominant since 2019 now. So uh, I think it's, it's something that is possible for them. And Maybe I look at this differently. Them not adding a true ace of Flaherty can be that. But you, you can't really bank on that when you're going into the offseason, especially when you're a team that just won the NL Central then got bounced in the first round of the playoffs and you're kind of hoping you want to capitalize on the window that is uh, Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. 
you want to be kind of be in a win now type of mode, and I don't really feel like that's what they're in. So, I, I, yeah, adding Contreras is great, but I wanted to see more, especially on the pitching side. Yeah, I remember in my doing my free agency predictions, which I'm so terrible at every year, but at at the same time, I did predict them to get a Carlos Rodon. And when I do my predictions, you know, maybe I'm picking the wrong guy. Like, I think I had the Astros signing Josh Bell. They didn't do that, but they signed Jose Abreu. Like, I, I kind of look at what positions I, I really think teams need to and probably will spend on. And starting pitching was, I, I thought this was the year the Cardinals would go out, especially when they lucked out without Nolan Arnato opting out. So they didn't have to pay him any more money than they already were. I, I thought that was a time where they would turn their money to the pitching side. And I know they like Adam Wayne, right? And they like Miles Michaelis, and they like Jordan Montgomery, who they got from the Yankees at last year's trade deadline. But this was the time to go out and add a starting pitcher because there were some good ones on the market. DeGrom, Kodai Senga, Rodon, who I just mentioned, some of these other guys that we've talked about, even a Chris Bassett I would have really liked uh, for for the Cardinals. But I will talk about the Wilson Contreras move, and I talked about it in the Cubs episode, that he's going to bring over some of the experience and leadership that he has that, well, I think... Uh, minimize the damage that the loss of Yadi and Rolina will have on that side. Now, I mean, we talked about Yadi in the past couple of years. He's not the same player he used to be, but he still is a great leader. He's good for the pitching staff. Contreras won't be the same in that regard, but he's still very, very good. And he, as you mentioned, is a big upgrade offensively. So I like the addition of Contreras. I agree with you that they should have added some more pitching or added, you know, anywhere else in general, which is why I went with a C minus. I do think it was a lackluster op season, and I think that they could have added more, especially in the starting pitching side. They like some of their prospects, I think, like Matthew Libertor, and they've found some success with pitching, but when it comes down to that playoff series um, that you could maybe expect them to have this year if they're rematching with the Phillies or playing some of these other teams that have aces they're going to roll out on both days in a three-game series, are Adam Wainwright and Miles Michaelis striking fear into your opponent? I don't quite think so, which is why I went with the C-. And that's more of what it comes down to. It's not that I don't like this rotation. I I, I kind of do like the rotation as a whole. But like I said, it it lacks an ace, and it lacks a guy who's gonna win you a playoff game. It's, it's like go out there and be like, I I I, wait, I just did the MLB March Madness bracket, and it it really comes down to like a one game, or in this case, a three game series. It comes down to so much. If you're gonna advance, do you have the pitching to do it? Your lineup can carry you in one game, but if you're running into a, a Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola back to back, it's unlikely that that's you're gonna get. Maybe you can get one, steal one, and hopefully get the third. But doing that, it, like, like we saw literally just last year, that the, the Cardinals were the better team. They had the better record. Everything on paper pointed to the Cardinals, but they got swept in two games at home. So I, I do like the rotation. I think you know over 162, it's gonna perform. But when it comes down to a playoff series and when you're a team that needs to capitalize on your window, they need to, I need to see more. So what grade did you end up going with? I actually did a C plus. And I think if you look at them, uh, it's C plus with needs. If you look at the off season, I probably would have given it a B minus. But like, like I keep saying, I, I want to see them add that, add that pitcher. And it just didn't. So uh, I think a C plus, they still get better, but I just wanted to see more. Yeah, and and the the thing is, they're one they're they're a team that can afford to be a little bit risky, and maybe you go out and sign some of these players that we've talked about, like the Rangers, where they added a lot of risky pitchers, Andrew Heaney, Nathan Ovaldi. They bring back Martin Perez, who you're gambling about whether he's going to do the same thing he did last year. If you're the Cardinals, 
for my what to expect, I'm expecting them to win the division. I think that they are one of the more secure teams when it comes to winning their division in baseball. And, and you could make the argument they're the team that should be the biggest favorite to win their division because the rest of the Central is a, is a weaker roster, objectively, on paper. Even when it comes to pitching staffs, you're comparing them to teams like the Cubs. The Cardinals clearly have the better staff, so I think they're a team that could have afforded to go make that big move because A, you can almost guarantee yourself a spot in the playoffs. B, you can be pretty confident you're going to win the Central again. And, and C, you have some money. Go out and make that one move. So to get into my what to expect, I, I expect them to win the Central again. But I agree with you that like this would have been the time to go out and add that pitcher because you, you can feel pretty confident you're going to be back in October. And that's when you want to have that number one ace true starting pitcher. And they're a team that can take that risk. Yeah, I'm expecting them to win the division again. And like anything can happen in the postseason, but as I've kind of let slip through here, my my opinion is that I'm not expecting a, 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 a playoff run. Just with the pitching staff, and some of it's not even their fault, just some of the other teams that are in the National League, Dodgers, Braves, Padres, Phillies. Padres and Phillies are the ones that made runs last year, and kind of surprisingly, they those two weren't even the top dogs. So... When you get into those four teams, and not even to mention the Mets, I just think of those six teams that are probably going to be playoff teams uh, from the National League, I think Cardinals, on paper, are the team I like least to kind of make a playoff run. And so that's that's where we keep saying they're, they're going to be in the playoffs. So that's where we're saying we could have seen more, but that that's where it hurts. So. That's kind of what I'm expecting. Another spot in the playoffs and home field advantage in the wild card and anything can happen, but I think that's might be all they get. I went player focused for my bull prediction and, and you know me. Can you guess who who what what player I decided to focus my prediction around? Oh yeah. Lars. I went with Lars Newbar to make the all star game. That is my bull prediction. Now he is a former USC Trojan, so I'm a little bit biased, but he is everyone's favorite player right now. So I don't know, I'm not putting too much blame on myself, but he was also awesome last year with a 125 WRC+. He's great in the outfield. He's been the leader of Team Japan out of all people in the WBC, giving out uh, pregame speeches. And he will have a chance to be an everyday player in St. Louis. And I think he's going to take that opportunity and run with it. He's going to play one of the corner outfield spots. And I think he's going to be very, very good. He'll eventually work his way up the Cardinals lineup. I'm not going to say he's going to you know, be better than Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, those guys that are on this stacked Cardinals roster, but I think he makes the All-Star game as one of the outfielders. Everyone, including myself, is in love with Lars Newbar right now. You know, maybe I'm, I'm hoping he doesn't end the U.S.'s hopes in the WBC if Japan were to win on the day we're recording this today when they're playing Mexico right now, but I think everyone loves Nar- Lars uh, right now, and, and I am one of those people. So I like Lars Newbar, and I think he's going to make the All-Star game. I went with another player to pick up an accolade here. I went with Jordan Walker winning the Rookie of the Year, and that's kind of the first kind of overall award prediction that we've given out, and those that we're all giving them out on the, on the our preview that's coming out in a couple days now, uh, full season preview, but I thought for our last episode here, I'd, I'd give one of my picks, and I think the Cardinals, I, I like what he's done in spring training, and I really kind of think it's him or Corbin Carroll at this point, and... I feel like a lot of people are going to pick Corbin Carroll. So I'm going with Jordan Walker. I, th- I think he he definitely has the talent to do it. And he, he's shown the potential. So I'm going with him to win Rookie of the Year. And I think uh, the, that's going to be what I'm sticking with come uh, our full award prediction coming out later next week. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in love with Jordan Walker as well. 
I'm not going to spoil my rookie of the year pick, but he was one of the guys I was picking between. The thing that I'm still trying to wrap my head around is where exactly he's going to play because in the outfield, as it shakes out right now, I think you're going to have O'Neill, Carlson, and Newt Bar. He's not playing third base because that's where Nolan is, so maybe you're putting him at DH or you're playing him in left and moving one of those other guys to DH. So I, I think it might be harder for him to crack the starting lineup than maybe a guy like Corbin Carroll, but I love Jordan Walker. I think he's got as good a chance as anyone in the National League as rookies to win that award, and he's he's such a stud. I agree. I think right now he's projected to be the DH, so I, I think he could do that, but that's all we've got for today, and that's all we've got for our season previews. They are completely dense, so if you want to see another team, another player that you like, make sure you go check out their team. They're all going to be linked in the description at the end of this, so that they're they're all on our page. Make sure you comment down below what you think of the Cardinals. Subscribe to see more baseball content. See where we've got the Cardinals. If we change our mind, maybe we've got them making a play, deep playoff run. Jack really ne- never gave, gave his thoughts, so maybe Jack's got them doing something this year. So make sure you go on and check out that episode or that video coming out. Was that Tuesday? Got, I think it'll be, so we're going to have good. record predictions and playoff predictions on Tuesday, and Wednesday will be our award predictions. So you got to be subscribed, though, to, to, to come check it out. There you go. So make sure you subscribe, like this video as well. But until next time, we'll see you soon. We've been Double Play. See you later.